from around the world. This is the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Once again, Decoder Ring Theater presents another page from the casebook of that master of mystery, that sultan of sleuthing, Martin Bracknell's immortal detective, Black Jack Justice, starring Christopher Mott as Jack and Andrea Lyons as Trixie Dixon, girl detective. The name's Dixon. Trixie Dixon, girl detective. Those who follow these little tales of danger and daring do will note that we often like to open up the proceedings with a cliché or two and deconstruct downwards from there. It affords a girl detective the opportunity to elevate the discourse above the sort of cheap banter and lurid suggestions that constitute the bulk of the casework at Justice and Dixon, private investigations, to say nothing of the average Saturday night. Or maybe that's just me. But when we turn our attention to the month of December, dear friends, we encounter a phenomenon some call option paralysis. That being the tendency, when given unlimited choices, to make none. There are quite simply too many clichés to choose from, and each passing year seems to give birth to more. These last few weeks, the radio had been feeding me a generous helping of an appealing boy singer named Perry Como, warbling a brand new chestnut that suggested there was no place like home for the holidays. This was true. There was nowhere and no time of the year where that much barely concealed bitterness, resentment, and out-and-out disappointment could be combined with that much rum and not produce a single fist fight to date. Needless to say, Miss Dixon was considering giving the trip to Ma and Pa Dixon's a pass this season, under the complete fiction of heavy workload. If there was a single event in the calendar that got away with dressing up sadness as nostalgia, tackiness as whimsy, and piles of the kind of soot-gray frozen mush that ruins perfectly good pairs of boots as Christmas snow, well, I can't imagine what it could be. None of that is what bothered me most about the holidays, though. What bothered me most was the effect it had on my partner. For three, maybe four weeks a year, his irony meter was turned down to zero. A very slight but undeniably warm smile threatened to spread across his old square jaw with little or no provocation, and he seemed... Well, for want of a better word, he seemed happy. And that was enough to make a girl hit the eggnog extra hard. But on this good day, at least, it seemed like there would be a ceasefire on the Christmas cheer front. Well, well, Sergeant Nelson, as I live and breathe. Oh, hello, Miss Dixon. You say that with a note of disappointment in your voice, Nelson. That is not the sort of reception I have come to expect from you boys in blue. What's that? I mean, no, no, it isn't like that, Miss Dixon. Is there something I can help you with, or did you just come in to huddle by the stove like a character in a Dickens novel? Like a what and a witch now? Nelson? Ma'am? You seem distracted, even for you. I guess so. Why don't you tell me all about it, since standing there quietly doesn't seem to be resulting in you leaving. I was actually looking for... that is, I was sent to find... You were sent to find Jack. What makes you say that? The fact that you are having so much trouble saying it, Peach Pit. Someone's gotten with the plot along here. Besides, I've been here quiet as a church mouse all day and less than likely to have committed a felony. What makes you say someone's committed a felony? Oh, Sherlock, you cunning devil. You've tripped me up in a clever web of words. I did which to your what? In your dreams, you did. The big bad Jack's not here, Nelson. 
He hasn't been here all day. He slipped out at 9.45 under the pretense of getting a bag of dark roast coffee beans from Malik's and never came back. I have been quietly plotting his demise for some four and one-half hours now. Okay. That's all? Well... Because you seem like a man with a heavy burden, Nelson. Well, I... An unpleasant task to perform, if you will. I'm supposed to... Pull up a stool and tell me all about it. Miss Dixon? Yes, Nelson? Is there the slightest chance of you shutting up in the near future? Why, Nelson, is that how you talk to a lady? Uh, sorry, no. Too bad, I was starting to like it. What can I do for you? You can put on your coat. Look, Nelson, I know I can be a bit of a tease, but please don't take me too literally. It is the middle of the afternoon, and you're not exactly Tyrone Power. I'm serious. The lieutenant told me if I couldn't find Mr. Justice, I was to bring you along as a material witness. Did he say to book me as such? Not exactly. Then saying please is more likely to get you somewhere. On this subject, and this subject alone. Miss Dixon... Would you please put your coat on and come with me? What's he done? Who? Who? St. Ambrose, who do you think? What makes you think he's done something? Your gun. What? It's loose in the holster. Like maybe you adjusted it before you opened the door. Just in case you had to shoot it out, Cisco kid style. So what did old Flat Top do to make you think you might have to plug him? He shot a man. The heck you say? Yes, ma'am. Shot him dead. Well, so far it sounds like Jack. Who's the stiff? Frederick Josiah Hawthorne. It shouldn't surprise anyone that Freddy the Finger would come to a bad end one day, though you'd have got odds on a massive coronary felling him first. But as Nelson drove me to the ridiculously well-known waterfront dump that Freddy had still called his hideout, it occurred to me more than once that if someone on the staff of Justice and Dixon Private Investigations were going to shoot Freddy, it almost certainly would have been me. And I was pretty sure that I was innocent, a term that I have not self-applied in longer than I cared to admit. There was a throng of blue uniforms outside the door of Freddy's headquarters, and they all turned in silence as I approached. It began to worry me, just a little, as I walked up the stairs and was ushered into the Hawthorne inner sanctum. As Nelson closed the door behind me, I could see two backs. One was dressed in red with white trim and lay on the floor in a generous pool of red of a less-than-cheery nature. The other stood nearby looking down at the first, a graceless bear of a man in an old raincoat. He stood like that for a moment, silently. At last, the bear began to growl. Well, he stepped in it this time, and no mistake. Hello, Lieutenant Sabian. Don't get cute. You used to like it well enough. Don't start with me, Dixon. I'm not in the mood. Duly noted. What's the story here? Nothing you haven't heard before. A little Old Testament for this time of year, but you've got to take what you can get. You like Jack for this? Are you out of your tree? I do, and I am not. You think Jack shot Santa Claus? I think Justice finally got fed up with his little playmate and did what he did, yeah. Why Hawthorne was dressed up like Santa Claus is, uh, a matter which we have not yet ascertained. <laughs> okay, wait. I don't even know where to start with this. His prints were on the door. You sure they were Jack's? After the number of times I booked him, you think I can't recognize Jack Justice's prints at a glance? That falls neatly somewhere between impressive and creepy. Thanks. Old Squarejaw's always getting mixed up in Freddy's schemes. Of course his prints are here. The gun was a forty-five, two in the back of the head. Like a mob hit? No. Hawthorne got it standing. Like whoever did it couldn't look at him and pull the trigger. 
Sabian, this is thinner than my Aunt Minnie's cranberry sauce. Freddy the Finger is like Jack's pet monkey. Jack may be the only guy in the city that didn't want to shoot him. Stop it. We both know it's not usually a stranger when it happens. You don't have a thing until you get ballistics back, so why are you... You remember when I said he stepped in it? Look here. The window ledge? But why would That's he... a shoe mark. Somebody got blood on his shoe and left a mark going out the window. Yeah? A size 12 shoe mark, or I haven't been a cop for 23 years. So you think Jack comes in, finds Freddy dressed up like St. Nick for reasons as of yet left unexplored, shoots him twice in the back of the head for motives just as oblique, and then scampers out the window, possibly to steal eight tiny reindeer? Where is he, Dixon? Can I just point out one small flaw in this theory? Dixon, where is justice? Just a teeny point, a minuscule flaw. Oh, for the love of... What is it? That's not Freddy the Finger. What? Oh, I admit the exit wound took off most of his face. He's a little fat guy in Freddy Hawthorne's hideout with Freddy Hawthorne's wallet in his pocket. I know, and yet all of that does not make him Freddy Hawthorne. What makes you so sure? Because I have a bad habit which you do not. What? You ever watch a lady walk away, Sabian? I mean, really watch her walk away? Ah, I don't know what you're talking about. Where are your eyes when I leave your office, Sabian? Shut up! Wait, you mean you... Have a bad habit of watching things leave, even when I know what I'm going to see, and I know I'm not going to like it? I'm telling you, Sabian, I don't know who Chris Kringle here is, but he does not have Freddy the Finger's posterior. And that is much more creepy than impressive. Isn't it just? And it begets more questions and answers, like, who is this little dead Santa in Freddy's hideout? Who splattered him all over the walls? And why, when confronted with such an image, did my partner step in the blood and book out the window like a little girl without wiping down the door for Prince? The name's Justice. Jack Justice. I know what you're thinking, and you're right. My old pal, Freddy the Finger, was in trouble. Serious trouble. But if you imagine that the deceased doppelganger in his digs was first and foremost on his list of woes, you would be wrong. Some of you might even have the presence of mind to be asking the musical questions, did whomsoever put the stylish new air vents in Father Christmas's skull think he was, in fact, shooting Freddy? And if so, would he be coming back when he found out he was wrong? If those were your thoughts... You have now attained the rank of junior detective. Congratulations. Please send me your Ovaltine labels and five dollars. Actually, you better make it ten. But I digress. As I say, none of this is really the biggest problem Freddy the Finger faced just now. But you couldn't have known that. Because you've never met Alice. Watch what you're driving! What? You're all over the road, Jack! I am not just all over... Just keep your eyes on the road and slow down! Where are we going? Haven't exactly decided yet. Then why are we in such a hurry to get there? I can't imagine. What was that? I said I'm slowing down, Alice. I'm slowing down. <sighs> What's he done this time? Who? You could play tough guy with me, Jack Justice, but it'll get you no soap. We all know who the hard case in this car is. Yes, ma'am. So, where is my husband and what has he done? What makes you think he's done anything? Ow! Play games with me again and you'll get another one of those! <laughs> what do you keep in that handbag, an anvil? Keep your eyes on the road! Don't make it easy to focus, you know. Ow! You're going to tell me sooner or later, so why not make it easy on yourself? Stop it, alright? Just stop it. I don't know where Freddy is. Then where are you taking me? I don't know. Then where are we going? We're not going anywhere. 
We are having a conversation. We are having a conversation in a private and extremely mobile place, where we are unlikely to be arrested or killed. <laughs> Ow! What was that for? I don't know what he's done, but I'm sure it's your fault. My fault? You're a bad influence, Jack Justice. A bad... Every time he gets in trouble, you're around somewhere. That's because I'm getting him out of the trouble, Alice. Out of it. And how's that working out for you so far? Well, leaving aside for the moment that that is an interesting point... I'm gonna kill him. Now, Alice... Don't you now, Alice, me. You shanghaied me in the middle of the day. Shanghai? You heard me. Heard you, yes. Understood you, no. Well, what would you call it then? I would call it putting safety first, Alice. And not mine, as your anvil can attest to. And certainly not Freddy's, to whom you have repeatedly promised injury. Just tell me what he's done before I lose control and kill you while you're driving. Since you ask me so nicely, I will tell you what I know. This morning, on my way to Malik's to purchase something in a dark roast blend, as befits the holiday season... Two, three, four... Don't get excited. I happened upon the corner of Lake and Brock, a bustling downtown corner, full of happy shoppers, happily shopping, as is their want. Jack, for the love of mercy! The sort of place that has a Santa on every corner at this time of year, all ringing their charity bell. But I couldn't help but notice that one of the jolly old elves had something of a familiar sheen to him. Something greasy and intangible that made me think of nothing so much as my dear old pal, Freddy the Finger. My Freddy? A charity Santa? Yes. Well, as he is so fond of remarking, charity begins at home. Oh, I'll kill him. Now, Alice. I warned you about that. As I crossed the street towards him, he bolted. I thought he must have been embarrassed to have been caught in the act. But then I noticed that I was not the only one moving in his direction. Two thick neck types raced after him up the alley. I followed as best I could, but they had a head start on me. So I made tracks for the place that I knew Freddy would go as soon as he lost the hound. His clubhouse. Uh, I think he prefers hideout. I'm sure. When I arrived, I found not Freddy at all, but another much deader man in a Santa suit, lying on the floor with two holes in each side of his head. What? I made tracks just ahead of the law, figuring wherever he was and whatever he was doing, he needed me to be less incarcerated than I was about to become. Not knowing where to start, but suspecting that there had been a case of mistaken dead Santa, and that if the shooter knew where Freddy's clubhouse was, they could probably find the apartment and your own good self, I made with the Sir Galahad Act with all speed. Will it pass? Until I find out how much of it you just made up. Most of the metaphors, all of the analogies, and none of the facts. If we don't figure out who's shooting Santas, it's a pretty good guess that Freddy's going to be next. You are listening to Blackjack Justice from DecoderRingTheater.com. The name's Hawthorne. Frederick Josiah Hawthorne. I know what you're thinking. And you're right. You're thinking that at least some of what was going on was probably my fault. And maybe it was. A little. You see, if you run a toy store, or... I don't know. Where do they grow Christmas trees? A tree farm? No, that doesn't sound right. Maybe it's just a forest. So, if you run a toy store or a forest, Christmas is a big payoff for you. But for a guy like your old pal Freddy, well, he's got to try a little harder. So, when a loose consortium of like-minded gentlemen formed with the notion of how we might make ourselves an extra buck and no one the wiser, well, <laughs> I'd have been a fool to stay out of it, don't you think? 
Well, anyway, that's what I thought. But it was looking less and less true as the day wore on. I was in it up to my neck, and no mistake, it was looking like I only had one place to turn. Well, well, Mr. Hawthorne, this is a serious matter and no mistake. That's what I said. The idea that all over the city there are Santas manning our charity kettles behaving in this way. Well, we didn't see any harm in it, Major. Not as long as we were standing out in the street all day anyway. Didn't see the harm in using our Santas as a network for a numbers-running operation? Not a numbers-running operation, Major. A numbers-running scam. I fail to see the difference. We had runners from every major operator feeding us information. Normally, those kids talk to anybody, there's hell to pay. Pardon my French. But if they just drop the numbers in the kettles, and then another kid comes along and takes it back to Benny the Brain, well... What's the harm in that? I still don't think I understand. See, that's the beauty of it. Benny the Brain, he could look at a mess of numbers like that and tell you just exactly which way the odds were sliding, where the fix was in, who was in the note, and how best we could burn them, if you'll pardon the expression. It, it was just a question of feeding him enough numbers to see the big picture. So you were cheating some cheats. In a nutshell. And it was all for charity. What's that? Oh, sure, sure. Charity. After all, Major, it's Christmas. Well, I can't approve of your methods, Mr. Hawthorne, but it seems your heart was in the right place, but I still don't see... Oh, right. So, I'm standing in my corner, same as always, and a kid who runs for the Gianelli mob drops his note in the bucket nice and regular. But when I look up, I see that there are, at that moment... Two no-necks that break legs for the Gianellis crossing the street in my general direction with something akin to murder in their eyes. So, not knowing whether the little pisher gave me up or was just too stupid to know he was being followed, I made with the tracks. Yes, uh, I see. But when I got to my hideout, Benny the Brain was already there, in something of a lather. It seems the Gianellis had rumbled our little enterprise good and proper and had been taking our players off the board all over town. Benny was sure they were looking for him and was most anxious to borrow my St. Nick getup to make with his escape, figuring that downtown was lousy with like red suits this time of year and he'd just blend in. I tried to point out to Benny that the exact same outfit that nine Confederates had just met their end in was not necessarily the cleverest of disguises, but he wanted in the suit as bad as I wanted out of it, so I gave it to him. Mr. Hawthorne, if you It was at that moment that we heard footsteps on the stairs. I scrambled out the window onto the roof, knowing that there was an escape ladder on the other side, which is a most handy feature. I hollered for Benny to come with, but being as he is scared of heights, he could not follow me, if you follow me. I think I got that part. Thank you. And then I heard the gunshots and knew that poor old Benny the Brain had got his, or mine, or somebody's, and that I was in bad trouble. If the Gianellis think I am deceased, they will be most disappointed when they learn to the contrary. And if they are already aware that it was Benny and not myself at all that was in the suit, then they are surely not far behind me. And, and that's when I knew I had to come here. Yes, and why was that again? For protection. I need backup. Backup? From whom? From the army, of course. Mr. Hawthorne, this is the Salvation Army. I know that. And do you also know that the Salvation Army does not have any guns? What? See, this is what I thought. That's them! I know it is! Uh, calm yourself, Mr. Hawthorne. I'll hide behind the door. No, wait. Uh, behind the filing cabinet. Just a moment. No, wait. That closet! I'll hide in... Excuse me, I'm looking for Major Bracker. Yes, that's me. I'm sorry to interrupt. We just had some questions about... 
Oh, hello, Mr. Harthorn. Oh, hi, Sergeant Nelson. Nice day. Yes, it... Wait, you were shot! Ah, oh, you heard about that. Shot dead! I saw your body! Yeah, I can explain that. A ghost! What? Get away from me! Stay back! Now what? It's them, Major! I know it is! Well, since Sergeant Nelson seems to have locked himself in the closet, uh, might I suggest behind the cabinet? Right. You bracker? That's right. Sabian, homicide. We were just talking to some folks about some Santas that have been dropping all over town, and the girl out front said maybe you could help. Yes, sir. I'm sorry. I I thought one of my men came in here a minute ago. Big feet, face like... The man in the moon, but more vacant? Sergeant Nelson? That's the one. He's in the closet. What? He's in the closet. Yeah, I'm familiar with the expression. Uh, I'm just a little surprised. I believe he is hiding from ghosts. Hiding from... You mean he's actually in that actual closet? What? Oh, hello, Nelson. Uh, hi, Lieutenant. Hi, Lieutenant. What are you doing in that closet? Is it gone? Is what gone? Your fragile grasp on reality? Hawthorne's ghost. It was terrible. What? Come out of there. Not until I'm sure it's gone. Ah, there it is again. Nelson, let go. No. It's not safe, Lieutenant. Nelson, you're pulling me into the... Nelson! Hello. Oh, heavens. Am I still here? What's that? Probably nothing. All right, then. I was just wondering... If I had any information in the case of the mysterious demise of one or more men dressed as Santa Claus, one or more of whom may have been called Benny the Brain and was wearing Fred Hawthorne's pants. Hmm. Cuts to the chase and looks good in blue. I like you. Thank you. Has Vic Sabian been in here? Yes. He and Sergeant Nelson are in the closet. They're in the... Closet, yes. Yeah, I'm familiar with the expression. I'm just a little surprised. I don't know if this matters, but everyone else hides when that happens. All right. I'll just stand behind the door, shall I? If that helps you. Hello? Hello, yes. Sal. Sal Bracker? Oh, hello, Jack. Where is he? I see you've brought a friend. Yeah. Sal, this is Alice Hawthorne. Alice! Yeah! Sal, did you know one of your filing cabinets sounds a lot like my pal Freddy? You don't say. I knew you were here. I could smell you, you louse. Alice, baby. What are you... Ow! 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 Get out here. Alice, baby, I can explain. Maybe I should shut the door. You! Hello. What are you doing back there? Hiding. Apparently it's all the rage. Alice, baby, please. You rat. I'll twist your ear off. Let me out and that's an order. But it might still be out there. Ow! Ah, the spirit is angry. Don't just mess up me What just happened? Sabian and Nelson are in the closet. You know, I always wondered. Places for Act 3. What? Alice, get back behind the cabinet. It isn't safe. I'll not save you. Jack... No one seems to be using that coat rack. Um, sure. Thanks. You the man in charge here? I suppose I am. My associates and I represent certain business interests of a uh, confidential nature. The Gianelli crime family. We are, that is, it makes it somewhat difficult to keep up with our usual menacing patter when you just come out with things like that. I beg your pardon. Suffice it to say, you're... Santa's has been 
cutting into our profits. So I have just learned. Yeah, well, uh, we've had a busy day fixing the little red wagons, but now it's your turn. My turn? You see, you've um, meddled in Mr. Gianelli's business, and that means he's now entitled to respond in kind. You follow me? Not even a little. You got kettles full of dough all over town, and Mr. Gianelli wants a piece. A piece? Of the charity drive money? Well, uh, charity begins at home, don't it? Gentlemen, this is an outrage. That money goes to support people in need throughout the city. You you can't imagine that I intend to let you pillage it. What you gonna do about it, sweetheart? The Salvation Army doesn't have no guns. They got this one. And this one. What the... Another one over here, princess. Don't twitch your whisker. I've got one, too, somewhere. It seems you gentlemen have miscalculated. Well, well. Legs McAllister. Things don't look so good for you just now. You got nothing on me, Kappa. Nothing except everything you just said and the ballistics on those guns and about nine about to stop being unsolved Santasides. But you'll sing real good for me, won't you, Legs? You boys are going to give me Gianelli or you've seen your last Christmas snow. Come on, Nelson. Coming, Lieutenant. Well, all's well that ends well, huh, Jackie? Ow! Don't you think you're getting off that easy? But, Alice, baby... You just wait until I get you home. Oh, baby, please. Did we have anything to do with any of that? Less than usual, and more than I would have liked. I'll second that. Merry Christmas, Sal. Thanks for the use of the hall. Oh, any time, Jack. Thanks for stopping by... Come back sometime and explain anything that just happened. And sometimes that's just the way it went. You tried and you tried to present as hard-boiled an aspect as possible, but sometimes a month of December conspires against you. And in spite of the human tragedy of multiple claws-clad lowlifes meeting an untimely end, the whole thing turns into a one-act farce before your very ears. It is a season not to be trusted, my friends. And God bless us, everyone. Blackjack Justice, episode 31, Requiem for an Elf, was written and directed by Greg Taylor and starred Christopher Mott and Andrea Lyons, with additional voices supplied by Scott Moyle, Chris Cothill, Hans Messerschmidt, Stephen Burley, Clarissa Dunnerlanden, and Greg Taylor. This recording and the story, characters, and situations depicted within are the property of their author and creator and protected by copyright. Until next time, remember, DecoderRingTheater.com is your address to adventure. right, friends. Why are you smoking anything other than dromedary cigarettes? That's D-R-O-M-E-D-A-R-Y, dromedary cigarettes. The smoke with only one hump. Regular smokers will tell you that dromedaries are a light smoke, easy on the draw and easy on the throat. In a recent test, regular smokers smoked nothing but dromedaries for 30 days. World-famous throat specialists examined these smokers' throats and reported not one case of throat irritation caused by dromedaries. And why is that, friends? Because the tobacco in dromedary cigarettes is blended with a mixture of eucalyptus, menthol, and dextromethorphan. So, each cool, relaxing smoke coats your throat with the same ingredients as a cough drop. So remember, friends... Dromedary cigarettes are proudly recommended by the American Medical Association.
dromedary cigarettes. The smoke with only one hump. Your doctor smokes them, and so should you. D-R-O-M-E-D-A-R-Y Are you smoking anything else?